attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Todd TJ Jacobson. So, as some of you know, I've done a lot of these interviews, and I'm, I'm a little bit ahead. So, if I interviewed you today, it might be a month or two before you get on the air, because you know, they're coming out once a week. And with some of the guys, especially some of the younger guys, uh, the order in which they get on the air has now become a bit of a competition like all great things Ojibwa. So TJ was sort of politicking to make sure that he got ahead of certain other people who might be younger than him, who are also lined up. Certain other younger people who may have been interviewed before him, but he wanted to make sure he got ahead of. So ever the competitor, ever the the Ojibwa guy, true, down deep, he goes and tears his ACL. How could I say no after that? He's laid up. He's got a torn ACL. Now that is a guy who will go the distance to make sure that his podcast is up next. Well played, old friend. Now, before we go, I want to warn you, if you have delicate ears, TJ and I share a story at the end of the podcast that's a little racy. It's pretty racy. So just be warned, there may be some adult language, some adult themes toward the end of the show. Okay, without further ado, here we go. Todd Jacobson on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. State your name and years at camp. Todd Jacobson, known to the Ojibwe world as TJ. I uh, started camp in 1992, and I uh, currently still attend Camp Ojibwe. Incredible. 25 summers. 25 summers. This will be it. Yeah. 25. It's amazing. Going out on top. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Don't get too far ahead of yourself here. So how do you first uh, come in contact with Camp Ojibwe? Uh, you know, I... Um, I remember just being home and my dad saying, uh, let's go. You're coming with me. And we were going, um, over to my good buddy's house. Uh, I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know who was going to be there. Turns out there's a group of about nine of my buddies, um, at, uh, Daniel's house and Dan, Denny Rosen is there and, um, go through the whole slideshow and 
it was Sunday. It was a, you know, pretty much a camper party that we would have today. I'd assume. Mm. Um, Daniel's good buddy was a, uh, an Ojibwe person, Adam Karlov. So he somehow worked that out, I guess. And, Saw the slideshow and uh, said, Dad, I want to go. Nice. Did you know Denny at all? I mean, like from around or I had not heard of camp or Jibba. I didn't hear of Denny Rosen. I had no idea. I had no interest in in camp, I don't think, at that time. Mm. It was just something that my dad said, let's go. We're going going to Daniel's house, and you'll see why in a little bit. And that was it. Nice. Was your dad a camp kid? He was not. Interesting. Nobody in my family was a camp kid. That's really interesting. Yeah. That that would happen that way. Uh, so did you end up going, so you obviously you ended up going, but did other guys that were friends? So we went, I think basically everyone in that room went, I think there was, there was probably like eight or nine of us that went, um, for the first, first summer. I actually stayed five, I stayed five weeks that first year. It was weird. Mm. Um, there was no session, so it was all eight, but I went five cause I went to Israel. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't remember much if it was eight or f- it wasn't four. I know there were not two four week sessions in those early nineties, but I want to say there was a five week like period where yeah. you could go or stay. Yeah, and well, I think they all left. I think what they did was uh, as they were testing out the four week, like they knew it was going to be coming. So if you were a first year camper only, you had the option of leaving. That was the deal. Yeah. You couldn't come up second four, but you could start camp and at four weeks or five or whenever yeah. you felt like it. Probably you could leave, and then. That was sort of it. And I, I felt it was cool because when my, my dad actually came to pick me up, uh, my uncle's a pilot. And so they flew up to Eagle River. Awesome. So I flew home to go to Israel. Um, wanted to stay at camp, but, you sure. know, a trip to Israel was kind of The liked. homeland was calling. So, exactly. So. <laughs> That's great. So you go up to camp your first year, and obviously you like it because you then did so for 24 more years. Uh, what was it? What, what were the things that you loved right away? Let me take that back a second. What's the very first thing you remember? Man, 25 years ago, I got to remember that far back. Um, I just, just being able to run around and be a kid. Um, you know, there's water activities whenever you want. Not really whenever you want, but, you know, you could choose different activities. The waterfront or playing sports all day long and being at that time with my, you know, my, this was my good group of buddies. I mean, this, we were like, you know, my, my nine closest best friends in, in elementary school. So being up there with them at that, that first year, um, and just loving every second of it, being able to just do what you want, be a kid. Nice. Uh, now those guys were some of those guys, guys who would go on for, you know what? I don't think any one of them came back for a second. Year. <laughs> I, re- I really don't think so. I, I remember wow. my second year then going back and, and, I don't want to say it was like my first year all over again because I didn't know anybody, but like really I, I started to have, I made new friends and the friends that I had gone there with were just one year and done. And yeah, I moved on. And then from that point on, from my second year up until about uh, JC years, that's when that I, that, was, that was my group. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, what were your cabins? Uh, started in cabin two, uh, cabin five, big jump over to eight, 10, 12, 13, 14. Very nice. I, Very I think nice. I could even remember my, 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 my counselor years, but it's too many to remember, <laughs> so we'll stop. Sure. Nice. Uh, so that crew that then your second year you, that starts to be your crew, who are those guys? Who is your group? Um, Brett Kornblatt, Jeremy Cohn, uh, Lee Schneider, Josh Slovey, um, Barry Kessler, 
I think. Uh, there, there's some more. You'll forget some. It's fine. Uh, yeah. If, if you're forgotten, it's my fault, not his. <laughs> I edited you out. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, Jason Keith, maybe. I mean, there, there, there's... There was a good group of guys that that we stayed pretty tight for a while. We weren't the we weren't that large of an age group. Mm-hmm. In fact, when we got up to the uh, upper years in cabin thirteen, they actually brought up the group a year younger than us into the cabin because this cabin is so huge and we only had about eight people. Right. Um, and then when we moved to fourteen, we didn't really want that group to come with us. <laughs> sure. To that's, say that's fair. Um, not that we didn't like them. It was just that. Yeah, you're 14. We're 16 14 years, years old. Yeah. Why do we need the younger group with us? It was 14. So I remember in 14, um, again, there was like eight of us. I switched halfway through cubes, but we only used, I think we only had three cubes. Nice. So, we, I mean, we were a really tiny, tiny group, small, but. Well, you, it's interesting because it, sort of camp historically, it's interesting because you come at the end, uh, not the end, but the Rosen era, the transition happens, 86, the Rosens take over, and they start building camp. But it's really 94, 95, and the the four-week program that changes the game. So that's when camp really starts to explode, and you get those really huge young age groups that end up being our cabins in 2002, 2003. It's Asher Winnig, and it's Noodleman, it's Shovers, it's those guys when they start that become this huge age group. And you're just before that. So you're kind of like the last of the, what kind of camp is this? What's happening? And you come through. But you're also part of that crew that is like laying the groundwork for 14. Because cabin 14, changing the dad's lodge to 14, is also another piece of this bigger puzzle for for camp at the time that makes it more appealing to keep 16-year-olds coming back, to split those two age groups, to give them, you know, the keys to the kingdom, to give them the frat house. Right. And uh, let them rock out. So it's really, you're at a really interesting time. Plus you're seeing all of the, uh, transition of, you know, old camp guys disappearing, new guys coming in and being part of staff guys. It is interesting as, uh, as you get older to see <laughs> the, the young ones and yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's changed. I mean, Kevin 13 now, uh, Kevin 14 now, excuse me, has, you know, 25, 28, 30 kids in it. And, yeah. and, and, and I had eight. Right. So right. it was so much easier for you guys too with the go-karts because now with like 30 guys, like you just have to wait so long to go. It almost isn't fun anymore. I used to ride them whenever I wanted. Right. Like you just, you had, Hey, you want to go down? Let's go. We had eight go-karts. There right. were eight of us. Let's exactly. go. Exactly. Like number six was your car and that's it. Exactly. And nowadays it's, it's, it's garbage, but it's fine. You know, I mean, who's going to complain? It's go-kart training. Exactly. So early on you're in cabin two. Who's your, uh, who you got staff wise taking care of you? You know what? I, this is interesting. Um, I, I, I find it at that time. Um, the new staff, um, staff that had never been to camp before I found kind of had those lower cabins. Mm. So there wasn't anybody that really in today's world, somebody would say, Oh, I know him. I got you. They were kind of like, um, you know, this is, I'm so-and-so and and this is my first year and, Oh, turns out it's my last year as well. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of who we had. Um, there were one or two guys that I, that I remembered, uh, Brad Myers was a junior counselor and I think he had a brother, um, that was older or he had been a guy that had been at camp. Um, I had a shot, I had the third Copans, Sean Copans oh. was a counselor of mine when I was younger. <laughs> I don't know mysterious. if anybody even knew that there was another Copans, <laughs> right. but there, I, I think if it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's a brother. <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, 
but other than that, it was like, like if I said Adam Ott, would you know who that is? Not a, not a chance. Adam Ott was a guy that nobody liked. Um, he would line us up in the middle of the cabin with like broomsticks and have us hold them. And he was just an ass. Mm. Not a good person to have when you're in cabin two trying to get these kids to come back, which is probably why my group didn't come back. That, there you go. That makes a lot of sense. But uh, I, I did. So maybe I like him. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you outlasted uh, him. But, but that, that's it. I don't really remember uh, too many counselors f- from today that you would th- like, that we would know right. or come up in conversation or you would walk down the street and say, oh, you're so-and-so from, you know, I know you from what you were my counselor. It, it wasn't, it, I don't know if it was just that period of time or it was yeah. kind of just, we didn't have that many staff, so we had a lot of new and 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 incoming staff that had never been there before, and sure. they worked out. They worked out. If they didn't, see you later. Yeah, um, and I think that's part of the other thing too with the growth of camp because you're starting to get you're bigger, so you need more staff guys. But camp had been small, so you don't have a lot of JCs. So you've got one and done. You've got international one and dones. You start right. to get a lot of that stuff. Now, <clears throat> in the near future after that, you start to get the all stars. You get Tamir. You get Glenn. You get some college guys who come in, you know, like JD, and uh, really set a tone. We know you're talking about yourself here, Chris. It's okay. <laughs> Obviously, I'm talking about TJ, T, uh, JD, JT, Cody. Yeah. <coughs> Phil Hurst. Yeah, the, the, the big guns at Cambodia. Well, the big ones. <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> so you're there. You're playing sports. Now you are – did you come into camp as a sports guy? Did you already like sports? I did. I liked sports a lot. Um, I thought I was great. Turns out I, I, I actually wasn't so so good. That's the Ojibwe way. Um, everybody thinks they're phenomenal. And then it's like, whoa. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was good. I, I do actually remember playing in Peach League. Um, I, I, a couple of us moved up to Grapefruit League. I remember that. So I was like, oh, I'm awesome. I'm playing 12-inch. I should be in Peach League, but I'm playing in Grapefruit League. So maybe I was just really good when I was young. Sure. I'm sure there's some doubters out there. But, um, you know, I... I I thought I was good, but you know I wasn't. I, I did enjoy the waterfront. I, I have a big background in in swimming. I was going to say, let's give the devil his due. Now you were a bit of a swimmer, from what I hear. <laughs> that wasn't until I got older into high school and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, I, I was a state swimmer, so I, I enjoyed the water activities. Uh, my dad had always had a boat mm. when I was younger, so I enjoyed being around water, whether it was in water, being on a boat. You know, so I had that kind of part of me that always was something that I enjoyed doing. Yeah, for sure. So as a, uh, as a young man or even any camp age, what were, uh, what was your favorite sport? Good question. Uh, probably softball or hockey, floor hockey. Um, now when you're there for floor hockey, did you have the boards yet? Are we still playing on? The- no, I was, I started out, uh, playing on the tennis courts, uh, the trail courts and the, and the lake courts. Um, the, the rink was not there yet until 97, right? I believe. And I started in 92. So I had a few years where it was, you know, playing on the, on the tennis courts. I remember, uh, playing in a game and, uh, I must've stepped on somebody's blade and they, they gave it a pull back and I slid on the pavement as hard as I could and scratch my whole leg up. I still have scars actually on it. And I remember, uh, Glenn Nesper, driving the old red one-handed steering wheel <laughs> oh, yeah. golf carts uh, all the way to, to I don't know what we want to call it, trail court number two or three at the end. Sure. And uh, driving me to the infirmary. But that was, I mean, it was, it was yeah, it was very different playing on the 
Yeah, for uh, sure. On the tennis courts versus the now, ring. I've heard that there, it has been said that it was a better surface for actual hockey that the the puck would slide as opposed to just tumble all over the place. Yeah, it was like smooth yeah. paint, <clears throat> yeah. so it was like it, you didn't have these rocks and these little cracks and right. stuff popping up. But the rink, I think, is great. Yeah. And then when the boards were put in, I mean, it was just forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> a melee. It's that's the reason I have to cut the video in half before I send it home because I have to take out all those hockey exactly. highlights of people getting killed. I actually uh, play ice hockey now. Nice. I started playing ice hockey. So I, I guess hockey would be my sport. Nice. Fair yeah, enough. Exactly. Well, it combines the water. So you get some. If, <laughs> yeah. In a, in a frozen solid state, you know, yeah. Totally. Uh, softball, what was your position? I was so good. I could play anywhere, Chris. Wow. No, I don't remember. Wow. Um, I was probably like a second baseman, like a nice. short center-ish kind of person, maybe. Sure. sure. I want to think that I was a shortstop, and I'm sure there's a few people laughing at me, but I, I might have dabbled with that once or twice and probably got yanked out of that spot. Why not? I don't remember. <laughs> a long time ago. Sure, sure. So now growing up, we were just talking a minute ago before we turned the mics on about um, guys who were like the big, big athletes. Larry Lupin is who we were talking about, but guys who were big, big athletes. Who were the guys during your time who were like the athletes? Um, we had, um, I mean, just the guys like a year older than me, like JT Wanger. Um, shout out to him, I guess. He, he went on and played college volleyball in California. Nice. Um, I, I mean, I, I just remember guys like, when I was younger, like, I think I was there, like Josh Walreich and Genzer. Victor, I know, wants me to say his name right now, but I'm not going to say Brett Victor's name. I don't know if you've heard, but I hear he was the first pick in 1994. Is that true? I, think I, I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere. I try to forget about him, so he's, he's far out of my mind. <laughs> Love you, Brett. Um, it's, there were just so many good athletes. Yeah. Because I, it's, it's sort of a true... It is a tradition. It is how camps sort of built. Like the younger guys look up to the big guys. You know, the older guys are these huge, great athletes and maybe not physically huge, but sort of charismatically huge. <clears throat> and so there's always every era kind of has their guys. Right. And every year, every era, everyone thinks that they're so much better than everybody <laughs> that was below them. And sure. then when that group gets up there, well, we're the best. And, it, you know, it's just something that carries on and carries on and carries Absolutely. on. It's never going to end. So In my day, we were real athletes in watermelon. <laughs> right. You know, everyone's out oh, watermelon. So watered down this year. Well, we're just, you know, 12 years older than them. So, <laughs> you know, um, exactly. But yeah, there were there. I mean, there were so many fantastic athletes. Kenny Robbins, um, just remember him. I think he went first round, maybe one three and then one one or something like that. He was in cabin ten as a first rounder, so wow. that means he went first round for cabin ten, cabin twelve, maybe cabin thirteen. I don't know if he made it to fourteen or whatnot, but yeah. we had a couple couple younger campers who went on to become like first rounders um, at, when they were young. Right. So young camper Todd. And this can cover all your camper years, but you, so you got sports, you like sports. We talked about the waterfront. What are the other things that, that you dig? Were you a rec hall guy at all? Were you a, uh, I don't know, an archery guy, <laughs> adventure course? A- I, I, I was not a theater guy. Um, I always got nervous and hated being in front of people. Um, I, I was never a singer. 
In fact, to this day, my dad still swears at me and still yells at me and says, for all that money that I give in that camp, you can't make the fucking chorus. <laughs> to this day, he still still holds that against me. No, I, you know, I, I liked I liked everything. I, I, I mean, I, I guess besides the sports, there was the waterfront that I was probably big into. Um, and then I, I'm sure I did archery and... I don't even know what else was there at the time because right. we definitely didn't have the zip line. We didn't have a climbing wall. We might have had the adventure course. Oh, yeah. Kind of near my end. Right. Um, a gentleman by the name of Tom Dorsch, I believe, built that. And that was just a man that you did not want to be trapped next to. or You wanted him to be your best friend is what you wanted to do. <laughs> um, between him and Glenn, I felt uh, Glenn Nesper. And Glenn Crawford, I sure. guess. I felt completely safe at camp. And Tamir. It was like, uh, who couldn't feel safe at camp with uh, Tom Dorsch, Glenn Nesper, Glenn Crawford, and Tamir Rotman? I mean, yeah. who else do you need to keep you safe at camp? I think that's good. I don't know why we have a, a night watchman. We got it covered. Jeez. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, tell me a little bit about Glenn Nesper, because you're there really in his prime, I think, his prime time there. And uh, we haven't talked a ton about him on here. So G- Glenn Nesper was a gentleman who... Um, he lived at camp year-round. Um, he was... my The my time, um, Sid Novak, right? In a way? He, yes. was, he was the head counselor. Yes. So he would make sure, basically, that everything is running smoothly. He would be in charge of the counselors, counselors' needs. He'd be in charge of waking us up in the morning. He was kind of always just around in case anything was needed. But this guy was a scary man. I mean, he was big, and he was strong, and he... I'm sure shot bows and arrows. And I think there's stories of him shooting bears on diamond two and, <laughs> and this and that. But he, uh, I remember I, when he would wake us up, you'd always hear reveling. And then you'd hear it's a beautiful day at Campo Ojibwa time. Now it was eight Oh four 32 pancakes for, you know, and he, he would just give you the lowdown on the, on the PA and then he'd come around and wake you up, but you did not want to be in bed when he came around. But, uh, he, he was, uh, he was just kind of there, um, doing, all sorts of tasks, I yeah. guess. So he he was just another uh, person to go to if there were problems, if there were issues. I don't know if he really dealt too much with campers. Hmm. But, um, I mean, I'm sure he did. Right. I don't think he'd ever turn <clears throat> down a kid. If he did, he was in oh, the one sure. spot. But, sure. um, you, know, you, you know, you always had him to go to, or you had Jim Findor, or you had... Uh, you know, Denny or Sandy or Joel at that time, yeah. as time got older for me. So you go through your camper, camper days are done. Now you're a JC. What's, what's, what happens? What's the difference <laughs> in little TJ now being in charge of, of what's of your kids? Yeah. What's your first cabin? Um, I was one of the lucky ones. I actually had, uh, my first year as a JC, I was in cabin nine. And then I went to cabin 12 as a second year JC. I've actually never, ever been lower than cabin six as wow. a staff man. Nice move. So, so you come in, you're a JC, you're, now you have responsibilities. Yeah. How does that change for you? It, it changes in a couple ways. Um, I mean, you're responsible for kids. So you're like, whoa, I, I, I was just that kid. And now I have to be responsible for that kid. But for a lot of us, it's our first job. Um, it's the first time having all that freedom because one of the great things about camp is that I think you, you, you're given that freedom and you have to learn what to do with it. You know, one bad decision, uh, 
can end your time there forever. Um, and, and you have to learn it and go with it and, and see how to deal with certain situations that come up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're not playing sports as a, as a camper anymore, you know, you sure you, you, you get your chance to play every once in a while as a staff man, but you're coaching and you're learning how to, um, relate to younger kids and how to help them and, and realize that they're looking at you as a role model mm. and you're officiating games. So not only are you now officiating campers, but you're officiating your peers that are your same age, maybe a year or two older than you, maybe a year, well, if you're a first year JC, obviously nobody's younger than you at that counselor age. But so you have all different groups of people that you're relating to, uh, that you're dealing with. You have your campers, you have co-counselors and you have the rest of the staff yeah. plus the administrative staff. So if you're a 17 year old kid, you know, it, it was challenging. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you're used to coming up to this place and just be like, this is my, this is my playground. I, I get to do what out, I want do what and I, I want. don't have to listen to anybody. And, <laughs> and, and now the tables have turned. Yeah, for sure. So did you have any uh, sort of experiences during that JC time that really like brought the crystal clear focus? <laughs> You know, good or bad, I suppose. Not really. I was, I was, I was pretty much a good kid. Who I'd, were your uh, SCs when you were Jason? Um, I, Benji Schwa. Oh uh, no. Well, yeah. When I was a JC in Cabin Nine, um, Benji Schwab was one of my senior counselors. And then we had another. Uh, there were a couple. Again, like. One and done. Yeah, new guys. Um, if I say some names, I think people will uh, stop listening. So I don't want to. I don't know if I want to say <laughs> like Tyrone Swinton's name. I wow. think was was maybe in there with me. <laughs> I, again, some of these years are, are are coming together. I know when I was in Cabin Seven as a senior counselor, we had Glenn Turner. Remember mm. Glenn Turner? He played basketball for Liberty. Oh, sort of. Nobody really liked him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Benji Schwab. Um, I, I think. Um, that, that's kind of the one that people would know from then, I think. Yeah. Nice. And then, uh, and then you, you have a pretty good JC group. The funny thing with that is that I, my as a first year JC, I think like, like I said, we had about eight guys in my, in my age group Mm -hmm. in cabin 14. So after that, when we became first year JCs, I want to say it was almost like, it was kind of like four of us came back for first year JC. And then I came back for the second year, but the other three didn't. But then the <laughs> other group of four, uh, the other three or other four came back. Oh, I so see. like Brett Kornblatt, I believe, came back as a JC for one year. I don't remember if he was first or second with Jeremy Cohn. Right. But then Lee Schneider and Josh Slovey were JCs the other year that they weren't. Right. So they were all one and done as junior counselors. And I stayed for both years. Nice. Did I'm it, pretty sure. So you, were you head of the JCs your second year? As you I think the, I was like the head JC. I mean, I waited only, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who else was there to? Right. But I was never chief of the Braves. Well, listen. We'll get there, though. It's okay. You're still the drummer. It's fine. Still love uh, you, Lee. <laughs> so then you, uh, you go into... Now, is that... You're a JC when I get there, right? Your second year JC, my first year? 2000? 2000, I was an SC. So maybe your your first year SC. That's it. Yeah, for I was. No, no, no. You're you're correct. I was in fourteen and ninety eight. So I was a junior counselor ninety nine yeah, and second go. year JC yeah. in two thousand. Right, right. 
and then I skipped a year and you come back. I come back. You come back. Wait a minute. Um, so then you become an SC. And then how does that change? So now you've been at JC. Now you got a couple years under your belt. Now you've stuck it out when guys didn't. Guys around you are falling by the wayside. And you soldier on. Yeah, I mean, it was basically me from that age group. Um, I didn't have an experience like some of these groups have now where they just grow up being you know, junior counselors, senior counselors, and then they all kind of get jobs and graduate college and move on at the same time. It was like me yeah. from that point on. I, I, you know, I had to make friends with... I didn't have to. I chose to make friends with, you know, older and, and younger because um, there was nobody else my age. So it, it, it wasn't difficult. I mean, it's not the age at camp, in my opinion, unless you're eight years old, you know, it right. isn't isn't a, a big problem. Right. I mean, I, you know, the group of guys that I hang with now. Yeah, we're, we're some of us are close to the age, but some are older and <laughs> some are younger. I mean, yeah. some of my good friends are, are just not graduating college. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, so it, it, age wasn't the problem. It was just being there. Like now I, I'm not a junior counselor anymore. Now I really got to step up my game. Now my, my role is a little bit even more serious than it was the last two years. Cause you could kind of get by with, you know, some sure tiny little mishaps and screw ups as a junior <laughs> counselor, but Certainly. you're a senior counselor. Now it's, it's kind of your cabin and right. that's kind of what it was. I was in charge. I mean, I had some really great co-staff, um, myself and Jeremy Rubens. Um, and then we had some really, really awesome JCs, Aaron Levitan, Aaron Linsky. Um, but I, I felt like being the oldest one in that cabin, like yeah, that was me. It's your cabin, absolutely. You know, so it, you know everything that was looked at was well. TJ, is this okay? TJ, can we do this? TJ, is it all right if we do this? Again, I was sleeping by nine o'clock, so it didn't really matter what the <laughs> heck happened. You know, some things never change. So exactly. <laughs> nice. And then uh, a big shift is us going into fourteen, because I mean, maybe you don't see it that way. I see it as a big shift. It's a whole different kind of thing because being a counselor in fourteen you have a different sort of responsibility to camp at large, I think, um, because of who those kids are to camp at large. The 14ers are really setting the tone for camp. Right. In any given year, you look at the kids in 14, and that's the, the attitude and the sort of spirit of camp is happening right there in front of us. And so we become the caretakers of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was... Without overselling it. But, yeah. Um, how did you like 14? Well, I'll tell you, it was... Uh, I mean, uh, it was a hell of a, what, eight-year run for me? What was, how many years was I there for? Blur again. Uh, that's probably right. I, th- I, think, I think it was you and I for like, well, you and I. Right. I mean, without Elliot. So Elliot was with us for one or two years, three years. Oh. I think I was there for about eight years, we'll say. I think that's about right. So I'm in 02, you're in 03, and then, no. I'm in 03, you're in 04. We go in. And then this is my, f- I think this will be my f- fifth year in the, sh- fourth year in the shack. That sounds right. But my first year at the waterfront, I was living in a cabin. Yeah. So. And then I think Elliot, Snower goes first. I think we had Snower for like two years right. and Elliot for like maybe four or five. Right. Yeah. Um, they were they were great years. I loved being co-counselors with you. I loved being in 14, but you're right. I mean, we we were looked at as, you know... Uh, you're the counselors of the oldest kids. So it was kind of our responsibility to engage them enough, but also not engage them enough right? to let them make their own decisions, but to also 
make sure that they came back as counselors and showed them how important it is for them to be role models at that age that they were as campers, yeah, if that makes sure. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big part. That's to me, that's one of the appeals of being in that cabin, working with those kids. Cause you're, you're right. You're, the thing we're doing there is really bridging the gap between being the camper and being the kid who's now responsible for kids, the JC. Right. I, I mean, it was, it was really cool because I, I don't think I, and you know, people will say, Oh, TJ, blah, 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 whatever. But Elliot really says it right. When he told us, you know, we're, we really weren't counselors. I didn't walk into somebody's cube and say, fix your bed, make your bed, go brush your teeth. Did you take a shower today? You know, we have a social tonight with ladies from Aramita. Are you going to take a shower and put your jeans on and do your hair? No, I didn't <laughs> have to do that. They're 16 years old. Um, we were there to hang out and have fun with them. Yeah. But to also guide them in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't hold their hand. I didn't, I didn't tell them, you really need to think about this decision that you're about to make, you know, for certain things. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, they, they had to make their own decision. Um, we also weren't going to, you know, run around and police them and, and like you would in another cabin perhaps and make sure, you know, this and that. So, um, but, it, but it was, it was so much fun. I mean, those yeah. kids, they, I mean, they kept you, kept me on my toes all the time. Um, we had some you never groups. knew what was going to happen <laughs> or who was going to do what, <laughs> right. uh, or what hours of the night or day it was going right. to be. Um, cause like you said, it's not like we're not policing them the way you might a younger cabin, but these are 16 year olds. So they also have the capacity for bigger shenanigans. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, we had some great crews, great crews. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it Mursky was Mursky and Reed, Mursky and Reed. Chaz is tired. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing that Chaz. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I would let those guys go in my Cuban and, uh, well, I, I want to hope that they were going in there to make the phone calls to their girlfriends or whatnot. I don't want to know what else they oh, could have done in there. Oh boy. <laughs> but um, that cube was 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 one of the greats. Um, but it started out. Remember, before I came into the cabin with you, I, I was my my trial run to see if I was a fit. Um, was going to the Dells with the group and, and yourself the oh, year sure. before that, um, and that was a blast. How many Dells trips did we do? Ooh. Five or six? Yeah, I think I think you met. On one or two more than I did, but I think I did either four or five. Yeah, because I think I did about five or six. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm good. If anybody asks me to go to the Dells, I, I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I, I think I've done everything that there is to do, and I've yep. eaten all the food at the Pizza Pub. So Pizza I know Pub's it all. all t- yep. They have a big menu, and I, you've had it all. <laughs> I, five or six years. Yeah. Yeah. And Howie's funny. big breakfast. Oh, of is course. big. It is big. Do, do not double order. Just go with it. You're gonna be fine. Remember, I was. Uh, I don't know. We don't need to talk about this. <laughs> oh, that's great. I don't remember uh, that story. Oh, what's her name? Crystal? Was it Crystal, the girl we met at, uh, that you met at the go-kart the, track? Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I thought it was at the top of a water slide. Oh, maybe that was... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, those are some good times. But it was it was awesome. I mean, being in there with Elliot and Snower, like, on top of having great kids, we've also got those two and their shtick, and I think the four of us were just were such a great fit together. Yeah. It really was awesome. I mean, not not that does not disparage any other combination either of us have been a part of. It of just those four got you know, at that time, us four were really, really having a great time. Right. It was a lot of fun. So then you um, eventually move out of 14. You move in now, Waterfront Director. You and uh, Well, while I was in 14, I was doing the program. So I was doing, oh, right, I was right. program director, co-program directors. Uh, you know, I did a little bit with Snower. And then uh, did it with JD. Um, and then there was a certain gentleman down at the waterfront who was unable to come back. That's when uh, Denny had reached out to me asking me if I had any interest. And 
I don't really know if there was a mutual agreement. It was just, uh, okay, cool. You're the waterfront director. So that was it. Um, no. And, and I, so since, since that point, uh, I think this is my fifth, I think this is my fifth summer doing the waterfront. Um, that, that's, that's what happened. So I moved, uh, the first year at the waterfront, I, I wanted to do both. I thought I was able to handle the waterfront and being in the cabin 14. Cause I didn't want to give that up because it was such a great time. Um, and then there were also some other things that had come up and it wasn't the best fit to stay in the cabin and to have the responsibility yeah, it wasn't that exactly I had. Perfect. And, uh, <laughs> and Chris didn't like the fact that I went out almost every night. Um, we had a, we had a tough time that summer. <laughs> and, uh, and then I moved out and have lived in the waterfront shack. Carrying on this, the, the classic tradition of, of some of the great waterfront shack yeah, guys. to this point. So. Dave Sher, Jimmy Warren, Dennis Rosen. All the classics. It's great. Um, All their names are right there on the yeah. uh, cubbies in there. Carrying on the traditions. Yeah. Nice. So what's interesting to me is that there are guys who have as many years, but you have a the only other guy at camp who's got a perspective like he was Elliot. There's the only other guy who's, who came and just stayed and then just came year after year. Like Foo's got 25 years or whatever, but he t- takes an enormous break in the middle and then he came back. For like it's kind of awesome time. that I'm... You're putting me in that absolutely that company of Elliot Friedman. That's it. You, you and Elliot. I mean, really, like you know, even Denny took a year off, right? Uh, right. Well, <laughs> well he had to go to he's Cuba. entitled. He I had think. to go to Cuba. Right. Too. Exactly. Uh, so to me, that and and like you said, it's a blur. But it, that's what's really interesting, sort of historically, because that's a really tough thing to do. It's tough to come back to camp, especially when you hit about you know twenty four or so. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, I mean, depending on how long a person stays in college, but once you're out of college, I was just going to say, well, I played it really smart. Um, you know, it took me a very long time to figure out what I wanted to do after high school. Um, I dabbled with a little athletic training. I dabbled with this and that. Uh, I went to university of Cincinnati right out of high school and I was going to swim on the swim team. And I decided that that wasn't for me. Um, I joined a fraternity and well, you know, I don't need to say much else about that, but um, <laughs> it took me some time to figure out what I wanted to do. It, yeah. in, in all seriousness, the answer was literally right there the whole time um, because of camp. Uh, um, with the love of sports that I have and the love of kids and being around and being a counselor and being at camp was like, duh, education, PE, hello. Yeah. So it was easy. And then... Um, I needed a couple extra years to finish that well, and to sure. figure things well, out. And that out, was it. So, it in order so I was out. able to go because um, and, and have my summers off. Yeah. Um, and then I have to give a big thank you. Well, we, I'll let you go with this and then I'll, because <laughs> I, I think I know where this is going now. So, well, no, I, was, well, maybe, I, I, I wasn't really busting balls about the college thing, but just in general, it, even, even in that situation, it's hard to just come back to camp, like to, to uproot your life every summer, whatever it is and keep coming. Right. And you were able to do it. So kudos, well, it's man. just something that, uh, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I love camp so much that I just, I can't, I can't get it out. I can't, I can't stop. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on this later, but, um, at this point in my life, I, I am married and I'm very lucky that I have a wife, um, who grew up as a camp girl, uh, and Miramita. So she understands what camp means to me. Um, and she is 100% supportive of me coming back to camp. Nice. So we, we could touch on that later. Sure. I don't know if that's, if you were going to go with that or not, um, well, we can listen. We because I'm very, I'm very lucky. Big um, shout out to Mari. We love her. Yeah, 
So, you know, and, and I'm the one sometimes if people ask me these days, if I'm coming back, you know, next year, I'm the one that's always like, well, I don't know, you know, I, it, I don't know where I'm going to be at with school and this and that. And right. you got a dog now. <laughs> you never know. Scooter. The cutest thing in the world. <laughs> but, um, but you know, my wife is the one always shaking her head saying, no, you'll, you're going back to camp. What are you talking about? Nice. Um, obviously her situation, you know, coming up weekly and having a house down the street, uh, it certainly helps. It helps. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, so I'm very, I'm very fortunate, very lucky that my wife allows me and is very supportive. Yeah. Cause even if guys get past the, uh, college graduation and they get to it, even if they get to a job that can afford them the time to come, usually the wall they hit is the wife. Once, <laughs> well, once they hit married life, that's where it's like, okay, enough. Right. <laughs> so exactly. You figured it out. Yeah. Nice work. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And right. Thank you, Mari. Let's get it back to camp. Let's talk about <laughs> arguably what is the, you know, some would say the single greatest athletic competition in the world. Oh, and, boy, here we go. And uh, that is Collegiate Week, oh, as Collegiate you know. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about your experience in history with Collegiate Week? Maybe um, I stink at Collegiate Week. Uh, I've never won. Uh, I finished second place as a camper in 1993, I believe, on Air Force. I believe Eric Gimble was the head coach. Nice. I think. Um, and you probably kept your trophy cause it was 93. So you weren't like, I have it old it, enough to be, it, a it's in my bedroom at my mom's house, nice. along with some swimming awards. And I, I have all my camp stuff. Nice. I can, I, I, I might have the second largest museum after you <laughs> I, bold statement. I might, <laughs> um, uh, that, that was probably my highest accomplishment in collegiate week was second place as a camper. But I, um, I, I had a couple good runs as coach. I mean, what I would say were good runs. I mean, I didn't, win um but had a good solid fourth finish a team that i think was very good that one more day might have been able to do something mm. iowa um i did have one really shitty team scott matazar was the worst assistant ever and picked a terror <laughs> literally the the, the 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 nine youngest kids in camp um, he was trying to push the prep up. <laughs> and when I was a junior counselor as an assistant coach with Andy Domont in 2000, we had a really good Michigan team. Finished third, I believe. Nice. So never never got over that hump, though, to win. Sure. Any uh, And this is either from camper years or coaching years. Anything on the rec hall stage that sticks out specifically, good or bad? No. I wasn't really one of those uh, stars. I was a coach of a few good stunts. I don't know how much input I had. Sure. Um, but I want to think as a coach, I had to have, I'm sure I said at least one thing that, that made it, <laughs> that made it work good. Um, you know, the Michigan Mario brother stunt. Oh, with uh, Danny Hayes and his donkey Kong Listen, coming across that stage. One of the greatest moments ever. Still top 10 in my book. Still top. Although the only thing that really, I, that was when I was helping out with all the stunts and I'd give them little notes and whatever. And I think it was, uh, Matazar was Mario and, they each had the Mario and Luigi each had younger brothers yes. because they, they went from young Mario and Luigi to old right, right, right. Mario and Luigi. And they were trying to give me bullshit. I was like, that's what you do. He walks off stage. You walk on stage as a mushroom. Bah, 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 bah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the infamous Navy stunt. Oh, that was me as the head coach, but I didn't really have much to do. Michael kind was part of that. Is this the one that gets, uh, no, we oh. made it all the way through. I think we won stunt night or second, but it was all oh. improv and all. Oh, that one. Okay, there's another infamous Navy stunt where someone get, where they get stopped. The one about the, <clears throat> you know, because it's Navy and they had several seamen. Right, mine mine didn't get stopped. Mine wasn't uh, inappropriate. 
I just, we didn't really have much going into it. And, um, uh, I, I believe I had a Zach Mursky. So it was a little bit of bubble boy continued on from his older brother, Jeff, right, right, but it was all kind of impromptu kind of improvised kind of on the stage. RZ too, maybe? Yes. Yeah. I had RZ. That's right. Um, that was my team. Andy Robinson was my junior counselor. Uh, Corey Goldman, first rounder. So that that was that solid. Team wasn't so good, crew. but that that was that was good. Yeah, uh, you know? yeah. And there was controversy because you you just didn't have anything prepared. And at that time, there was sort of a move toward you had to have something. And prepared. we kept saying we have something prepared. We have something prepared. Like we knew what was going to go on. We just didn't really have it like organized and right. s- in in uh, yeah. script form script, and then right. right. So we and we were a, in the neighborhood of a certain unnamed coach who just didn't. Do a stunt <laughs> exactly, and so. that had brought a certain bit of you know right. shame to the exactly to his family and friends. So yeah, so collegiate week not so bad. Well, it's you know, <laughs> I, I enjoy it now. Sure. Well, now you get to do field hockey. Field I mean, hockey all the way, rocking it out. Field hockey and, and the tug and whatever. That's about it. I was gonna say, so maybe set up a little bit for the obstacle course. Yeah, because I, I, I honestly now I really like when I was a kid or when I was a coach and Elliot would be like, I don't care who wins. Like why? Like blah blah. You're why are you asking me? Like, why do you think that I'm making this ruling? Blah blah. You think like I know he doesn't care because I don't care either. Right. <laughs> like really, I could care less who wins Cleveland Week right now. Absolutely. Knock yourselves out. Have a great time. Have a great time. Because I will tell you, when everybody else is writing their stunt at like three in the morning on like that, you know, first few days, I am definitely not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. That that sort of first couple days when like anything that could be any kind of trouble at camp isn't going to happen because everyone's just up writing stunts. Right. And everyone else can just, we can just go to bed. It's actually like the best time to be it's OD. The, the best OD, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, we touched on it earlier. Camp Ojibwe Braves, uh, a fraternal organization there, an, uh, an honor organization, if you will, okay. at, here at Camp Ojibwe for boys. Uh, you were no, Now, by the time you got to be a Brave, was it still uh, the old school way of picking where it was kind of a favoritism thing or was it everybody got to be a Brave? Good question. I think everybody became a Brave. Um, I think it was like the age yeah. type thing. I'm not sure when it's... I mean, I know I it's a I do remember... Switch, but... um, when I was becoming a braver in a neophyte, um, being told to go back to our cabins that night to tie a sock around our bedposts. And at the time, at the time, going back just a little bit, um, I was still at the age where there was pretty much single beds. Oh. There weren't bunk beds really. Right. Until maybe at the older groups. But even when I was in cabin eight, Single beds. Oh, and two, and you guys were a small age group, so you wouldn't. They wouldn't have done it for you. You would have kept going. Right. With it. Yeah. But there, I mean, we were small, but throughout the years, of course, there were one or two kids that came and joined us, and they came the rest of the way, or they didn't make it, or one or two of us dropped out, and somebody else made up for it. I mean, we weren't like that small at the at the middle group. Like, I think we had two groups kind of come together, but then as we at the beginning and at the end, we kind of thinned out. But anyways, we were told to put socks on our bed posts because we were actually woken up at the early morning hours to go out to the far field and do calisthenics and to clean up kind of as an initiation for the Braves. Um, and they wanted to make sure because obviously not everybody in my cabin must have been, otherwise they wouldn't have needed to tell us to just to distinguish who to wake up and who not to wake up. Um, and then we, you know, we had powwows just like, well, we had, uh, two powwows, one at each four. Um, I was elected an officer of the Braves. I was, uh, guardian of the trail. Nice. Um, I think it's like 
third, fourth, or fifth down Listen, on the list. It's you know? certainly the most active. Uh, it's the only one that actually has to do anything. Right, absolutely. You know? it's the only one with a job. So, um, you know, I reported to duty every time I needed to after that and uh, um, became a Brave. And just like everybody else in today's world, you know, we we're all excited. We get to use the Braves Trail and uh, that first cookout that you were able to go use that Braves Trail for. Um, one of the best days ever because um, you didn't have to carry that bin. Right. The long way you could take that shortcut. It's, I mean, it's a lifesaver. God, I totally forgot about cookouts because I haven't done one in like, last one I did was in 2005 when I was head coach of Michigan in Creature oh, Lake when I, yeah. back when we did it with teams. But other than that, I haven't done a cook in a long time. But yeah, to carry that box through that trail was, you know, that was like the best thing in the world. We still try to do one or two every summer. So come on out. You can join us. I, you know. Well, you do it in the back of my house usually. So I, I'm no, <laughs> oh, I, no, no, no. We, we do a real one. We, oh. Yeah. We, the past couple of years. The you remember the last like, time you and I and JD went out to the campfire site? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> still got scars from that one too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, and then, um, yeah, I went through the ranks and, and um, now, you know, warrior. Um, I'm actually, I don't know, third or fourth highest warrior in camp, I guess, active warrior, if I should say. I mean, besides Denny and right. their honoraries, but uh, besides George Sachs and, and Al. Yeah, you're next, right? So, well, Stu now. Stu and I. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's like, it's me because yes. I'm ahead of Glenn. Tamir's gone. I, I'm ahead of Tamir, who you, right, been, you were ahead of him too. Unfortunately, though, right? won't be with us this year. But yeah, so yeah, it, yeah, nice. I'll make the third ranking, third ranking warrior in camp. Maybe we should switch roles right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I, even though I was not given, even at the time, this was not said. I respect the warriors, and I am an honorary warrior. And I know is, you do. I, right. I type up the list yeah. every year, and Alan, I always ask you. I believe yeah. if you want to join us on stage, and you're always busy. Finalizing well, the video. That, that's certainly and, true. And, uh, you know, we always want to make sure that everybody that is supposed to be up there is at least given the opportunity yeah. to. So, One aspect of camp that cannot be ignored, and I've said this a bunch, um, where when you're a camper and when you're a junior counselor, and, and it starts when you're a junior counselor, but, you know, camp gets in your blood. But the thing that the, where the real bonds happen is after hours. That That's just true, especially with staff guys. Where the real bonds happen really are going out and – um, I learned it early on because I didn't drink when I first got to camp. I didn't go out cause I didn't make a bunch of friends. And when I flipped that switch and started going out with guys, that's when it was like, Oh, Oh yeah, that guy's great. Like he's, yeah, everybody's part of the thing. Who cares? And so there really is a level of bonding and, and, uh, fellowship camaraderie, if you will, that happens in that sort of after hours time. So tell me a little bit about hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. I think that, uh, the after hours, the, what you do in your free time, is, is a heat. Well, maybe that was a bad way to put it, but certain things sure. are um, definitely good. Uh, if you want to say ways to bond with others that you don't normally do, um, you know, it, it, it's just brings another aspect of that um, brotherhood. You know, you, you just want to go out and, and, and be able to hang with somebody or, or, or multiple uh, in that environment where you're not, We'll say on the clock, even though right. in theory you're still getting paid for those hours. Right, but you're not directly. But you're about not related. Right, like you, yeah. like that is your time to go enjoy. So you need to go enjoy because you know when you wake up that next morning. Um, being a counselor is one of the hardest jobs that anybody will ever have, and you are on duty literally all, all day. Yep, and 
one, if you're out one night, that means the next night you're in. So you are literally on duty for 24 hours yeah, from when you absolutely. wake up. So you need that time to go out and blow off steam or you need that time to go out and hang with your boys. Whether you're just going to a movie, or you're going to go-karts, you're watching a movie in the counselor's lot, whatever it is, whatever it is yeah. or you're partaking in sure. other activities. <laughs> Um, which, you know, listen to the jukebox. You, the you and I both turtle. know we have done our fair share sure. of that. Sure. Um, and I, I still do. And you still do. <laughs> um, but but that that is a, a, a very important aspect, I think, of yeah. camp, because you also learn how to, be, you know, it's always the older guys taking care of the younger guys. And that's good to see. The old guys should be taking care of the young guys. A lot of these young guys, this is their first experience possibly with going out to a, a bar or even drinking I too was not a person who I didn't drink my first. Um, I don't think my first year, my, my first time I actually drank at camp like out and went out was um, after high school, the summer after high school, because I was so focused on swimming. I didn't oh, sure. want to ruin yeah. anything. I, I was at that point where I was like, Oh my God, if I have a drink, I'm going to totally ruin whatever I have. And going into senior year of high school, I was for Highland park standards. I was a, a pretty good swimmer. Yes. Um, so I don't want to ruin that. And, and I did not want to get in trouble by the police at all. I was oh, terrified. Yeah. I was one of those like, Oh my God, somebody told me to come in and then in-laws came around and I was still scared to go in there, even though it was like, no, and like you can come in. It's okay. Well, is it really okay? Right. But I was one that didn't, but I ended up going there and everything was fine. Um, I remember luckily for me, there was, there was a bus there, a bust as in police yes. came in, not a bus, <laughs> but uh, the police came in and raided the place, basically, and a lot of the guys dipped out, ran into the woods, this and that, fake IDs everywhere. Luckily for me, because it was the year I think that I, I might have started to indulge in, in adult beverages, um, luckily, I was driving that night. I was a designated driver. I mean, I might have drank a couple times that summer. I was willing to drive because I just wanted to be at the place where everybody was. Sure. This is the party. This is where I want to be. You know, I wanted to hang with everybody else. Luckily, I was um, sober and I was driving and the older guys that I was with got me out. I did take a breathalyzer, I think, and I was 0.0. Everything was great. And they were like, all right, you're, you know, thank you for being sober to drive these guys. It was like nice. I, a real, I got out of a what I thought was going to be a harsh situation, but really easy and took these guys home and that was it. And other guys dipped out in the woods and. <laughs> Made it to camp that next morning, I guess, for breakfast. I don't know, because that's the rule, you know, and, sure, and that's you it. Sure, get there for so, breakfast, so. I don't know, but um, but now, I mean, I, I take it upon myself to, if I am out and there are some other campers, or not campers, I hope not campers. <laughs> right. If, if there are other staff. <laughs> campers, take If there home. are other staff, I take it upon myself to make sure, kind of, yeah, I can have fun myself, but I still then kind of put on that administrative role and say, I need to make sure that everybody's taken care of yeah. and everybody's good. Not be a dick. Just be like, hey, everyone have a ride. Everyone right. have a sober ride. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And I'll still have fun with, with them all. Yeah. So. Sure. But but that's a that's a very important part of Yeah, camp, absolutely. Um, what else? What are we missing? What have we not hit? I do, I, I do fully believe that um, I'm trying to think of how to say it. I think weighted meals on Friday night soup alone was was taken out because of me. <laughs> I, I really believe this. I, I don't remember what year it was. I had to have been a senior counselor because I wasn't waiting. I was sitting at the head of a table 
And back in the day, you know, well, back in the day, it's it's crammed in there. Um, and I will never forget, Danny Hazen was the junior counselor waiter, came to my table, handed me that big metal bowl of soup. My hands don't really like hot things. Okay, sure. And this particular bowl, I don't think the other bowls were as hot, but this particular bowl happens to be scorching hot. Oh, no. I dropped it everywhere, all over Danny. I felt horrible. I don't know if he still has burns to this day, <laughs> um, but I dropped the matzo ball soup everywhere. Nice. Probably on myself, probably on the kids at the next table. Sure. Dan- I don't know if Denny might have gotten some over there. Right. Some kid didn't come back to camp so, because of it. Right. <laughs> it was all my fault. That's, sorry. Um, but it was, it was a mess. And, and I fully believe, because I don't remember another Friday night... Um, I remember Friday night sit down waited meals, but right. not with soup. No, that that makes sense. I mean, because it did, you know, soup one day magically. Matzo ball soup was on training table, so as opposed to having it with a nice Friday night meal, what a wonderful meal that it is. It was like fish fillet, macaroni and cheese, matzo ball soup. Oh, gotta love it. <laughs> That's the day where you eat like three tomatoes, right? Absolutely, three tomatoes done. Three cherry tomatoes, Full. right? Uh, you know, one night we should talk about is, <clears throat> and uh, let's just. I'll start by saying we were both. Grown ass adults, plenty of age to take part in what we were doing, but we decided amongst a small group of guys there at camp to go on a bit of a a bar crawl, if a you bar will, bar crawl, perhaps an Eagle River bar crawl. And uh, I was thinking of this story today in the car because I know that one of your questions on this is stories. Sure. So I was, I'm glad you brought well, this let's, up. Let's talk about it. So uh, we had been talking about it all summer uh, that we were going to go on a bar crawl. And we're going to hit as many bars as we could in the, in the greater Eagle River area. I was going to say, reiterate that this is in Eagle River, Wisconsin. Right. All of the bars. Right. And I think we went to all of the bars. And I will say even, too, that at this time, this is before BBTs. It might have just become BBTs. Like, I don't think so. You think it was still Copper Kettle? Uh, yeah. I was going to say, it was either still Copper Kettle or like just at the very beginning. Because it's before we knew Joey. I mean, it was like... I know we went in there, but like... Yeah, I don't remember... But we started doing research. We started, because even guys like you had been around forever, like, there's a set number of bars. You got, you got shooters, you got geos, you got in-laws, you got or, uh, zingers at the time. And that's kind of it. You didn't. Well, really... we were trying to break out of that right. shell. We were trying to go to places where camp people, <laughs> right. I don't want to say weren't allowed, right? but camp people stayed away from. Exactly. And we knew if you're going to do a bar crawl, you can't just go to the same three old places you always go. You got to really, like... Right, because we crawled to those places on a typical constantly. Tuesday. So... <laughs> So we go to the uh, we go to the t-shirt shop. We have some t-shirts made up. I still have mine in the closet. Oh, it's classic. Uh, Bangin', I believe, is the uh, theme. And, and let's just let's just say that we don't remember why. But Bangin' was the theme of the uh, <laughs> bar crawl. And I want to say there's like, is it six or seven of us? Let's see. So it's you and me, Center, Center, Shulman, Shulman, Cody. Uh, August. August. JD? We definitely, uh, August had a station wagon, and we took that. And you got made, everyone had a job. And because you um, had a certain, uh, I'd like to call it an ability, a, a magic skill, maybe, to never, ever drive. It's a, it's a pretty awesome skill that I was given. <laughs> you did all your driving, apparently, in the other story, and that was the end of the times that you drove guys out. <laughs> so you got nominated, because you're not driven all summer, basically. You got nominated to be the... Uh, Designated driver. Yes, the executive of transportation. I was the secretary, of, secretary trans- of transportation. Secretary of transportation. <laughs> yes. Um, and let's see. One person's job was... Well, I think someone's job was the T-shirts. 
Yeah, uh, there's like probably secretary them. of designing the t-shirt, secretary of figuring out which bars we were going to go yes. to. Yeah, like a, a, a civic planner or something that <laughs> I had to... there was to, like a secretary of making sure we paid the bar bill, the bar bill. I don't know. Oh, like a financial director. Maybe that was the, maybe there was, there was definitely someone in charge of making sure all our shirts got signed everywhere we went. Yeah. That That was a big deal because we needed proof. Right. And, uh, I feel like we probably had cell phones, but we didn't have smartphones. So we weren't having like, like taking pictures with our phones. Wasn't a thing. So we brought cam, we brought a camera for sure. A disposable camera, right? Oh, that's probably true. I mean, I don't think anyone's bought our like rebel EOS. I might've had a little digital camera for camp. That's true. Could be that. Anyway, so uh, we take a picture in the parking lot of all of us leaving, all posed up and great. Arms around each other. Arms around each other. Right next to the the station wagon. Oh, yeah. I think that's right. I think we're right behind the car, like ready to go. And off we go. Uh, Okay. Now, where do we go? Uh, You said some of them before. I mean, we ended at Zingers. We definitely ended at Zingers. Uh, Yes. So we went, obviously, north first. So we went to... I know we went to the bowling alley. Yep. Um, we went to Geo's. We could have started. Uh, I don't remember where we started. Yeah. We probably either started at Geo's or the bowling alley just because of how far apart they were from everything else. That makes sense. Then we worked our way. But I don't, I don't know if we were that smart at the time. Yeah, it could be. It also could have been a Geo's night where there was like. No, we walked in. No there was nobody. There. I don't think anybody right. was going to Geo's at this time. This was oh, like pre-Geo's years. We definitely went to Geo's because we met girls there who met us somewhere else. Yeah. No, I mean, I know for a fact we went to Geo's. Yeah. Uh, we went to BBT's or Copper Kettle. Right. There was some sort of, I have, a, I have photos of there of like 10 girls or something. There was some sort of something going on there. And we were like, dude, what's up? We're totally here to hang on with you guys. Well, I wasn't acting like that because right, I you was were driving. Right. <laughs> um, you were facilitating our exactly. ambitions. I, I think smugglers played a part. I think, yes, we went to Smugglers. I think we went to House of Brews. House also. of Brews, I think we I connected. Think, for a second. Yeah. We may have gone to Tiny Tap. We might have, which is not one of my favorite places, by the way, but. Yeah. And um, then, yeah. and then we took off because we needed, we knew we were going to try to get to, uh, the Loon Saloon, which is what in-laws. The no, build, but that wasn't around yet. Well, there was something there because we tried to go and they were closed. We had an intention of whatever that building was called at that point, because Zinger's bought out in-laws and then they moved right. their place to out in the woods at the old serendipity. And then we went to that bar cause we were counting it on our list and then they were closed. It was too late. Cause it was like Tuesday night. Exactly. Right. It was right. Yeah. So we go to zingers and we're, we're in for the night at that point. Like at that point we're all with, drunk enough with the rest of <laughs> Ojibwa. Right. Cause now here's all these other guys. There's girls from camp. There's townie girls that start signing our shirts. And then I'm not really. So the interesting part of all of this, and this is why Chris, I think is, is, is um, procrastinating here is the end of the night approaches and it's time to come home. And we are successfully back at Camp Ojibwe in the parking lots. And we get out of the car and we decide that we're going to take a picture. And we decided that we were going to pose and stand next to the exact person that we did at the beginning of the night. Sure. And we're going to recreate that same exact picture afterwards as we did beforehand <laughs> except that there was one big gap in the picture one spot and that's because you my friend <laughs> decided not to come back with us it's true it's true and just for a little backstory i had decided at the top of that summer that i had been coming to camp long enough that it was time i had sex with a townie i'd never slept with anyone from eagle river 
and that it was time for that to happen. And at Zingers that year, there was a girl who started showing up who was clearly not a camp girl. And I, I don't know that I would want to have a picture of her available right now to show anyone, as I recall. But uh, she was there that night. And do you remember this girl's name? I do, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to say it. Okay. <laughs> tall, very tall. Like, not, I mean, she wasn't massive, but she was not a skinny girl. And she was tall and big curly hair. And so she was like, I have a house on the lake that Zingers is on. It's right around the corner. And I was like, wow. I mean, I think I'm like, cause well, your option was listen, what? Like a couch in the rock collar zone. Right. What? I mean, what else, where else would you do? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even have a car at camp at the time. Right. What I really was probably was like, it was like, cause we've had, you know, 12 drinks by that point. <laughs> and, uh, so she takes me out into the, uh, walking through the woods. I have terror. I have the worst night vision. I just, I can, I will fall over everything. <laughs> and she drags me to her house and you know, go in. Everything's going great. Everything that's supposed to happen happens. That's all cool. Everyone falls asleep because somebody's been drinking all night. And about a less than an hour later, the sun's starting to come up. And I wake up. And I'm like, well, and I, you know, I'm not like so out of it. I don't know where I, I know everything that happened. But then I hear someone coming downstairs from another place. And I was like, Who's that? Who's that? What's, what's, what's happening right now? She's like, oh, that's just my brother. No big deal. And I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm in a townie's house. Well, you're I, in Eagle River. I have soiled this townie's sister. <laughs> <laughs> and I am somewhat fearing for my life. So I'm like, you know what? I think, I think I'm just going to go. She's like, oh, do you want me to drive? I was like, you know what? Don't put yourself out. I got a ride. You just, you know, this has been great. I'm just going to go. And I'm pretty sure I walked to the house without even putting my shoes on. Like I was getting out of town. Call up August. And uh, I'm like, you got to come get me. It's 630 in the morning. It's way before breakfast. So he comes out in the station wagon, drives me back. And I get to make this incredible walk of shame up the road with my white T-shirt, bar crawl T-shirt hanging out of my pocket. Thinking I'm slick. Is anybody is is anybody up at this time? Uh, Does the, anybody see you walking up the road? The coffee morning club is definitely happening. So I get it from Denny right away. Because I, I was... I. Yeah, not, I, well, maybe I was sober, so it could have been me, but I don't think yeah. so. No, and I, I was shocked August. I mean, because we really did go pretty hard. And so luckily he was sober enough to come get me. But uh, yeah, Tamir, Denny, Al. The group. <laughs> the group. The group. Having the coffee. Didn't come, didn't come say anything to me then. Oh, no, that's not the move. Of course not. You wait till like lunch, right. dinner. Later on when you're feeling you frisky and you make a joke and they go, oh, yeah, that's funny because this morning when I saw you coming in. <laughs> right. Uh, so that was the banging part of uh, bar crawl. But, I, you know, we were a pretty successful crew. It was great. Yeah. It was it was uh, literally one of the nights that stands out. Yeah. And even though, you you know, you did the Lord's work by doing the driving. Uh, hey, it was my pleasure. Still a great time was had by My all. pleasure. <laughs> so now that I took your story. Do you have a great, you have another great story in, uh, in the chamber? You didn't, you didn't take my story. Well, was, I mean, I, I sort of stole the thunder this on it by together. starting it going. Uh, uh, you know, I, I knew that this was a question that comes up. I just, I had a feeling and, um, I, I was just texting with somebody on my way over here that there's just like, I, I was like scared that I couldn't think of a story. I think it's because I have so many. Yeah, of course. I just don't know which ones to just. To stand out. out. And they literally just kind of come up as you, as you talk. But there's one story that stands out that I, that I, I never have to like start talking about. And then, Oh my God, I remember this. And I remember that. But there's just one story. Uh, when I was a camper in cabin 13, um, 
Jeff Kaplan, who was just here yes. a little bit ago, just a few hours ago, was one of my couch. was one of my counselors. Uh, David Auerbach and Steve Tepper were my counselors in Cabin Thirteen. And this was the year, remember, that they had brought up the group younger than me, right? To to be in that cabin because why have a cabin for forty people when there's eight of us? So they really have nothing to do with the story, but I was just reiterating that. Sure. So anyways, the story is there was a camper. I don't know if I should say his full name. And again, this is, this is from what I remember. Um, Graham decided, uh, and I don't know if it had anything to do with Lee Schneider and Josh Slovey dressing up as Batman and Robin every day and driving the camp bikes up and down the road and literally being Batman and Robin all day long, every day. And I, I don't know if this story goes with that or not. Maybe he was like another side character to this. But Grant decided that it would be a good idea to urinate into a super soaker. Oh, I don't know where he got the super soaker from. I don't know how the super soaker came into play. But I believe he urinated into a super soaker. Okay. And was going to spray whoever. Okay. I, I don't know who it was. Um, somehow, I, I believe it was Steve Tepper got wind of this. And got the super soaker from Grant and asked him if he had urinated in the super soaker. And Grant had said no. And Steve Tepper had asked him, if you are saying no, would you drink it? (laughs) And Grant had agreed to it. And Steve grabbed the super soaker and put the nozzle in his mouth and pulled the trigger. (laughs) And Grant had literally drank in his urine. Because... He did urinate in it. Right. <laughs> and, and that's the story. And, and that's at least what I'm sticking with. It could have been made up. It could be true. I guess no one will know. That's incredible. But I, I believe that's how it goes. And awesome. I do want to say, is, is this the end? This is the end. Uh, I, I do want to say that you have done an incredible job with this. Thanks, man. I don't know how many people do listen to these. I don't know if you get emails about it. But I listen to every single one on my commute to and from work depending on how long they are. Sometimes I need that extra time going uh, to work every Monday morning and Wednesday if you post an additional second parter. But what you have done with this is incredible. And it just major props to you. Thanks, Because I can't wait to see the bricks when I get up there in a matter of two months. I heard that they're in, but they're in, not yeah. in the ground, but they're in. Uh, maybe they, they're in the ground. They may be in the ground now. They were do, working on it Monday, so they could be in the ground by now. Um, but it, what you've done is just incredible. Awesome. Major shout outs to you because Thanks, I, don't, man. I don't know if anybody has given that to you. So Hey, listen, I'll take it. Thank you. Uh, but seriously, uh, I haven't had a lot of guys who are current at camp on. And part of it is youth and part of it is like, you know, you just need a little perspective and whatever. Um, but you were super interested in being on. Uh, you're digging what I'm doing, and I dig that. And also, too, uh, we had a great we've had a great time together. We've spent a lot of our a lot of at least a lot of my camp career has been spent with you. I was gonna say how many we've in the had, cabin, probably half of my camp. Well, how many years have you been together. at camp uh, since 2000? So we've had almost 16, yeah, 16 years. Well, you missed one, so, 15, one, so 15 summers together, yep. literally. And I, I mean, I, I truly do consider you one of my best friends. Not, not like just camp friend, like right. literally in life. I have my Cincinnati crew from where I went to school, and then I have you and JD and Al and, well, Denny and Joel and Stu and those yeah. guys. But, like, you are one of my best buddies. Matt yeah. Weiss can't, 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 <laughs> can't escape that, that one. That was almost trouble. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I can't get out of here without saying that. And, and, again, just what you've done is incredible, and 
Awesome. And keep up the good work. Listen, let's go have a great 2016 at Camp Ojibwe. Do we have to? We absolutely have to. <laughs> then I'm in. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay, there we go. Another one in the books. That is it. Todd Jacobson, TJ. Uh, what a great episode. We had an amazing time. Um, TJ and I have gone way back at camp, as you heard. And so it was cool to sit down with someone who I have such a long camp history with personally and be able to exchange some stories and uh, tell some tales. So that was a great one. Uh, as always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJibahistory.org or... Uh, you know, flag me down when you see me driving around in the Camp Ojibwe Mobile up in the North Shore. You'll see it. I do not have to explain it to you. You'll know it when you see it. Uh, stop me. I might have a free gift for you. So there you go. That is it. Uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, TJ, get better. Uh, I know you have surgery this week, so I hope all goes smoothly and you're back up on your feet very soon. It is a beautiful day here in Ravinia. So without any further ado here, it's time to go have a cigar. And a great way to meet girls? Well, I don't look to meet girls I mean, anymore, not anymore, but... but you know. Oh, back in the day? Sure. I mean, maybe once or twice. Never met any. <laughs> I was thinking Mari all the way. Yeah, I mean, I assumed. Right. <laughs> I do love you, Mari. <laughs>